Hey everyone, thank you for joining another week of Deep Dive Sports. This week, we are without David because he bought a house, so go ahead and congratulate him in the comments. But to help us out, we are joined by AJ and Greg. They're going to give us some awesome opinions on some of the professional sports teams throughout Ohio. So to start us off, we're going to be talking about the Indians, and Dom is going to answer the question of how do they replace Lindor? Well, frankly, you can't. <laughs> uh, Lindor is a top 10 player in all of baseball, arguably the best shortstop. You can't really replace him, and I I don't think the Indians really got enough in return for him. Um, I mean, you look at the return that they got in the Lindor trade, they, they gave up Carrasco and Lindor, and they got back, I mean, pretty much just average prospects. I mean, they got Rosario, who I guess will be their starting shortstop this year. But, I mean, he's he's nothing special. And then they got a bunch of prospects that are kind of just average across the board. So, I mean, you, you, if you're going to try to replace him, you got to get a better return than that. But, no, I, I don't I don't think you can replace Lindor. Yeah, I mean, that's a tough one. I, I definitely agree with that. Um, what do you think, AJ? I mean, Don hit the, head, or hit the nail on the head. Uh, you really can't replace um, – a guy of his talent, especially on the deal that you had him at. I mean, you're getting a ton of value for a dude that was making, well, I think he was making what, less than a million a year, except for the last couple of years that he had mm-hmm. off arbitration. So, I mean, the, just the talent uh, in the production and just the fear that he brings in your lineup, it, it's something that you're not going to be able to, to replicate. Um, he's a homegrown guy that you had that was a fan favorite. Uh, he, If you think of some of the best Indians memories the last couple of years, uh, he's front and center on them, whether it be the Grand Slam and the, I think it was, what was it, bottom of the, bottom of the eighth against the Yankees or yep. uh, I'm thinking back to him hitting homers against the Blue Jays in that 2016 run and just, I mean, his defense is well there. Yeah, like Dom said, I don't think they got enough in return. I mean, they got a couple guys. I mean, Rosario's all right. He's not bad. He's probably a slightly above average uh, player. But, I mean, his best year, I think, in baseball was 2019. He had 287, and he had 15 homers. I mean, but then he got just a bunch of average prospects that, I mean, you hope that they can that they can develop, but. Yeah, I don't know how you can really replace them. Okay. What do you think, Greg? I mean, there's definitely a, a hole in the shortstop position. Um, like Dom and AJ said, uh, uh, Rosario is probably the most pro-ready prospect they got. Jimenez uh, is the highest upside. I think what he's he's got two years um, in with the system, but he's only had 22 uh, starts at shortstop. Um, so, and that was with the Mets. So, uh, They've got you can't replace Lindor, but you definitely have at least some aspects of things to you know to look good at for the next you know replacements. I guess you could call it. Okay, and just to stay with you, Greg, um, the next question that we have is just: Is it time for a rebuild there in Cleveland? I personally don't think they need to rebuild. I just think they need to retool a little bit. But let's just kind of get your guys' opinions on that. So again, Greg, what do you think? I mean, it's the same old story with the Dolans. They trade to get prospects in hopes that the prospects pan out. It just seems like every couple of years they get somebody good and then trade them away for prospects, a couple handful that maybe will get better. And it seems like they're always trying to rebuild in some way, shape, or form. So, Okay. What do you think, AJ? Yeah, fr- frankly, yeah. You're just kind of going to get stuck in this cycle of always being a team that's middle of the pack who's just always – they're competing enough – but never actually a threat to actually win it all, which, I mean, I think is the ultimate goal in any sport. You're just going to keep spinning your your wheels here. I mean, I, I don't think they have a competitive enough roster right now to really challenge the Twins or the the Yankees or any of those – or the Dodgers. I mean, if you take them in a seven-game series against the Dodgers, I'm honestly thinking the Dod- maybe they get one game, and that's if Shane Bieber just does one of his 14 strikeout games. So, yeah, I would say a rebuild I would go for. I wouldn't I wouldn't trade Shane Bieber. Uh, one thing I'd probably be looking at, though, is trying to get Shane Bieber locked up to a team-friendly deal now after only one mm-hmm. year. Because, I mean, if you go into a rebuild here and it takes you five years, at that point, Shane, and Shane Bieber's contract's up, you're not going to be able to afford a Cy Young candidate. I mean, they've, they've shown it. They're not going to be able to afford a Cy Young candidate starter. I mean, you're going to be in the same boat then. At your peak, having to probably either let him walk or trade him. So, 
try to get him locked up just like they did. They jumped uh, with Jose Ramirez, getting him on a team-friendly deal, but probably just kind of tear down, take your losses right now. It doesn't seem like the fan base is really in love with them at the moment. So I would just, uh, yeah, I would probably just cut it all down and uh, start building here and just start developing. Have trust in your process of development. I mean, how much of this do you think is coaching? I mean, Francona was out, like, how much of last year? He's going to be out, what? For a couple months yeah. already this year, they announced. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, the only reason I, I said no was just because it was kind of like what AJ said with that circle of, and like what you said too as well, is that circle of just having a player that they build up and he was there for like seven or eight years and then they trade him away for prospects. But I mean, if they're going to go rebuild, I mean, what's, what's, what's the point in rebuilding if every year they're just going to be, you know what I mean? Kind of cycling and being an average team. I mean, if they're going to rebuild, then after, you know what I mean? After five years, once they get to a point where they're competitive again, they're not going to be able to afford all those players. I mean, your, your hope is to have, they had the ideal setup in 2016 with a bunch of young guys that were on on club friendly deals. That is what their dream is in 2017 too. They didn't, I mean, their biggest splash was Edwin Encarnacion and, in free agency on what, like a 10 year, what was he making 12 mil a year or something like that? It was, it wasn't crazy. I mean, yeah. you look at deal, it wasn't anything like we're seeing mm-hmm. now, like we're seeing now where Mike Trout signing for half a billion dollars. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, they could, that's your, I mean, that's your hope is that I guess you go into that cycle and you hope you're competitive for three years and then you go back through it. I mean, otherwise I just think you're, you're right now just going to be playing around like 500 ball, you might sneak into the playoffs, but you're probably just going to get smoked in the first round by whoever it's the Yankees or someone, whoever it is. I mean, every now and then you might sneak, you might sneak around or you might win a series or something, but yeah, I just, I don't, I mean, I just don't see the firepower in this team. Jose Ramirez is really the only legitimate threat in Framio Reyes. I mean, he had a couple, he's shown glimpses, but. Yeah, I mean, offensively, I mean, they were already struggled to score runs last year. I didn't. There was no real improvement this offseason. They only subtracted on their offense to me. So you can't can't win baseball games nowadays, two to one. Well, I think if the Indians need to ask themselves, is Francona going to want to stick around for a rebuild? Because at his age, I mean, he's a Hall of Fame manager. He's in his upper sixties, and I mean, with all his health issues, I don't see him sticking around as a manager for much longer. If the Indians is going to full rebuild mode, is he going to want to stick around for that? And as long as Francona is your manager, I, I think you have to at least try to be competitive. You know, you don't, yeah. don't trade away your best prospects and your best players and get prospects for it. Um, so, I mean, if you're going to go into full rebuild mode, I think you need to do what's best for Francona and just let him go elsewhere and try to win another championship. Yeah. I, I just don't, I just don't see it worth it for the franchise. Cause like I said, you're going to get six years into your rebuild. And even even if you have young players, that's cool. You might be competitive then for two years, but then you're just going to be stuck in the same situation that they have been. And you might as well just try to keep spinning the wheel and get lucky. Well, and the the fan base for the Indians is already kind of a fair weather fan base. I mean, you you have your hardcore fans, but then, you know, your average Indian fan isn't going to go watch a bunch of prospects play a progressive field. I mean, we're bringing up up Francona here. I mean – with his health issues, how do you know that he's really even going to be around there to pass this this coming season? Yeah. At this point, I mean, you could see him maybe transitioning him into like a front like front office scouting role, something like that. Uh, like I don't know, something along those lines where he's still around a team, still around baseball because we know he loves it. But I don't know if his health is going to allow him this to really be here in the next couple of years. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, just to kind of keep the ball rolling, I think we've kind of all answered it at some point, but. Do you think that they can remain, you know, competitive enough this season to be able to make a playoff spot even with their low payroll? Or do you think that they're going to be, you know, a sub 500 team and, and miss the playoffs? What do you think, Greg? I mean, I don't think they're going to be a sub 500 team. They've always seemed to be able to pluck out a few wins here and there. Um, but I just think with the word payroll, I mean, what are their 22nd on payroll? If I read that correctly. I believe they're dead last right now. Um, or something. So I thought the Reds were last. Um, but anyways, like I just I don't see them being necessarily a playoff run contending team, but definitely not um, you know, like bottom seller dwellers. Yeah. What do you think, Dom? I mean, it it depends on how far this rotation can carry them. Yes. I, mean, I agree. With I that. mean, but besides besides Shane Bieber, I mean, do you he is one of the best pitchers in baseball, but you only have him on the mound once every five days. 
Um, and then you look at the rest of the rotation, it's, it's not what it used to be, but it's still decent. You know, I'd still say it's a good rotation. But then, I mean, if you can get, you know, some of these guys that we don't really think that highly of right now, if they could kind of overachieve, then I think they have a chance to be competitive. But I think right now it's the the White Sox and the Twins division to lose. Sure. You're right. Cleveland is bottom. Sorry. My bad. If you're looking at their 26-man roster, projected roster, they're actually – their third lowest in, the, in baseball. Only the Baltimore Orioles and the Pittsburgh Pirates are lower than the Cleveland Indians in payroll. They, the they're Pittsburgh even Pirates lower. They're, they're they're eleven million or they're nine million dollars lower than the uh, Miami Marlins. Oh wow! <laughs> the Pirates. If, if, that, if that's not a if that doesn't uh, shock you, then I mean that's that's about yeah. as stark as it gets there. Yeah. Both the both the Florida teams are at least seven million dollars higher in cap than Jesus. Yeah. So what do you and, think, AJ? You think they're a playoff team, or do you think they're they're more of a sub five hundred team? I think I they're going to do better than they, than you think, or than I. Well, I thought immediately that they're going to just suck after they traded Lindor and everything, and I just didn't see much improvement. I think that I could see like Tristan McKenzie, or he really showed some some signs last year. I know his was his debut against the Tigers mm-hmm. he just threw out like, and threw up like nine or 10 strikeouts or something like that. You just had, you could see, uh, him, you could see the potential in him. I could see him coming up and having a really big year. Uh, I, I'm a believer in Shane Bieber. Uh, his stuff is just filthy. Uh, his curveball is potentially the best in baseball. Um, and it's almost unhittable when he get when he gets the two strikes. Um, I'll say I think they'll end up like Greg said. I think they'll sneak out some wins. Um, they'll be close. They're in, I think the I think the White Sox can be better than people think. The Twins are always going to be tough. Um, I think the Tigers might actually get, sneak or surprise a, little, a couple people this year and might be a, just below 500 team. I think the Indians are going to fall right back, right in that same area, just below 500, maybe right at 500. Where that gets them in the playoff race, I'm not really sure because I haven't seen enough of like that is this expanded playoff over a 162 game season to really mm-hmm. be sure it, they'll be in contention at least through in the September they're not going to be gone and buried and dead by August or anything so yeah they'll be yeah. close I mean I'm, I'm not willing to bet anything on it but <laughs> that's what I see so let's uh let's go about like four and a half hours south let's hit uh on the the Reds a little bit they also kind of lost a, a bigger name player in their rotation in Bauer. Do you think that they'll be able to replace him, or do you think that they're just kind of go back to where they were before he got there? Um, I don't know if you can ever replace a Trevor Bauer, uh, both personality wise no. and talent wise. I know they uh, what they also lost. They let was I think Discofani go as well. They let him yeah, they walk. did. And they still re-signed Eugenio Suarez, but they tra- they traded, I think, Rossiel Iglesias, I think his name, I think is who it was. Mm-hmm. Shortstop. They traded him over the Angels. So yeah, I, I think they'll be competitive. Their division's just it's tough with the Cardinals, especially the Cardinals getting Arenado now. The Brewers yeah, yeah. are are tough. The Cubs are just always going to be tough with their talent. And the Pirates are the only team that's really not competitive in that division. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that they're a solid team. I just don't see them really being able to do much in terms of getting into, like, making noise. If they were to get in the playoffs, I could see them maybe sneaking in as, like, the last seed or two, but it's going to be tough to get very far with their – they don't have much depth in their starting rotation. Their bullpen's all right, but it's going to be tough for them. Yeah. What yeah. do you think, Greg? I mean, Sonny uh, Gray and Luis Castillo, I mean, did solid for them last year. They got some up and comings like uh, Antone and Lorenzen. Is that you say his name? Lorenzen, yeah. That he's a he's a guy that's the he pitches and then he's also an outfielder as well. And they showed some promise at the end of last year. So if those two, you know, can step up a little bit and start into some starting positions, and you know, with Gray and Castillo, then it's a possibility they could, you know, have some some wins. But like. Talking about the Indians, I doubt that they're going to be above a 500 team, you know, so. I, I see them kind of in the same boat as the Indians in terms of, you know, they they lost 
one of their star players and now they're kind of trying to rebuild a little bit. They do have some good pieces. Um, and like you said, Sonny Gray and um, you know, they get they got some good starter starting pitchers, but I there's no one really on that lineup that really scares me. I mean, Joey Votto's past his prime. They have they still have Mike Mustakis, I believe, at third base, and then Nick Castellanos. But other than that, there's really no one in that lineup that really stands out. So I mean, I I could see them probably around the 79 to 84 win range. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I don't see them really competing with the Cardinals or the Cubs this year. Well, I mean, obviously there's no denying that at, at some point the, the Reds had a little bit of a <laughs> of a run, but it's been a while. So do you think they could get back to a point where they could be a dominant franchise, or do you think they're kind of stuck in, uh, I don't want to say purgatory, but I think that's almost the best word. So what do you think, Dom? I mean, I think any Cincinnati is a, a mid-sized market or a small market baseball team, kind of like the Indians, and those teams are really struggling right now because they can't compete financially with the big clubs in New York and L.A. or um, Houston. So they, they can't afford to keep their, their star players like the big teams can. So I unless they strike lightning in the bottle like the 2016 Indians did, they're not going to be a free agent destination where they're going to be able to go sign the top free agents. So unless they have a lot of, you know, stars in their farm system coming up, I don't really see them being a World Series contender anytime soon. Yeah, I, I kind of had that same thing. That Cincinnati is not really a big free agent destination, even when you talk about the other pro teams that they have there. But what, what do you think, uh, AJ? Do you think that they could become dominant again? Or what do you think it would take for them to become dominant again? I don't think there'll be anything uh, super – like sudden or super, super imminent. Um, they do have some nice young pieces, though. I think Suarez is a pretty nice young piece. Um, Jesse Winkler I like. They got Cassianos, who I, I really like as well. Tucker Barnhart's pretty good. Uh, the guy that I was thinking of earlier, though, his, his name slipped in my mind, was Luis Castillo. I think yeah. he's honestly a stud. He is plays in it. That, that ballpark is such a hitter's ballpark um, there. So if you're – I mean, you had, you had a fly – Guys hit fly balls there that just seem to just land halfway up the bleachers there. That look that <laughs> that just don't have that sound and look of a home run. And Sonny Gray, they got on a nice deal there too. They got Lorenzen, who's a nice young piece as well. Um, they got they got some prospects down in uh that are in that top fifty range. They're going to need to get some pieces. Now we're like you guys said, I don't really see them as a free agent. Uh, destination. Uh, it's really tough to be a free agent destination as a as a smaller mid market nowadays. Uh, with the money just being thrown around by the Dodgers. I mean, hell, Mike Trout is. Jesus. He, he's he's uh, yeah. he, I think his yearly salary is higher than the Indians' entire rosters. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Salary. Same with uh, Trevor. I mean, it, it's impossible. Yeah. It's impossible. So I mean, you, these these smaller market teams got to develop their their talent. They got they got to be able. To turn some, they got to find some diamonds in the rough, mm-hmm. and, and then also get the most out of the out of their contracts, and then get some good flyers and some veterans. Um, so yeah, I mean that that's gonna be the recipe for their success. Uh, it's and honestly, it's gonna have to be offense in that ballpark, win games in that ballpark. With that, with how much of a hitter's ballpark that is, you play eighty-one games there each year. You gotta take advantage of it. So I would, mm-hmm. I, they would have to build offense. Okay. What do you think, Greg? Pretty much everything everybody else said. Um, it's going to be a long time until they get to the days of old. You know, your Charlie Hustles, your Joe Morgans. It's just, it's. I don't see it happening for a very long time. And, um, you know, I think Cincinnati needs it. I mean, you've got the Bengals doing what they do. You've got friggin', you know, the FC Cincinnati and you got the Reds. And I just, it's just going to be a while. Something needs to happen for the whole city to kind of spark some, free agents and some other guys to want to come and play in Cincinnati. So, yeah. And then kind of stick in Cincinnati, but move to the MLS and kind of build off of that with FC Cincinnati, obviously, you know, the Bengals and the Reds have been, you know, disappointing over the past decade, Um, especially the Bengals since kind of Carson Palmer left. But do you think that FC Cincinnati could build something there? Or do you think they're just going to be another kind of disappointing franchise for that city? Two losing seasons, what they're 10 and 37 with 10 draws. This new stadium they're supposed to be building or are in the process of building is supposed to be like everything that I read today about it was like this 
thing is like supposed to be the players destination type stadium for this you know it's on the the west end of cincinnati it's where all everything's happening so hopefully once that begins in that you know players start to come and see the stadium and see where cincinnati's doing you know cincinnati's been a rebuild city for you know quite a while with the breweries and everything like that so they're gonna be a disappointment for a while but they will eventually come maybe to a mid-range team and who knows depending on what they get you know become a championship team but i don't see it happening in the anywhere near future yeah i mean i definitely agree i think i think it's hard to to attract you know better players that are going to want to go to cincinnati live there play there it's it's hard i mean it's been hard for their nfl team and an mlb team up to this point but what do you think Don? i gotta agree with Greg. I, I, it's gonna be a good number of years until they're competitive because I mean, they're, they're starting from scratch. They were just called up to the MLS, what, last year or the year before? Mm-hmm. Um, and last year, they had four wins and 15 losses the entire season. I, I do think the new stadium is going to help, but until they can really kind of develop some good young talent on that team, it's going to be a while. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat as everyone there. Um, I have seen a couple different games there on TV uh, when they've been playing at Nippert. Uh, on campus of UC. And I'll say the one thing that could really be intriguing there is the atmosphere there looked amazing. So when you get to a new stadium here, how that is, like you said, or like Greg said, that stadium is supposed to be amazing as well. So with the atmosphere there, maybe that can lure some guys that are strictly ML, like free agents that have played, like played against them as competition in the MLS. I'm not really sure it's like an international destination via transfer or anything like that, that they're going to be able to land many guys. They're just going to have to develop, but be intriguing to see how maybe if that ends up benefiting them, just the, the ability to play in an atmosphere like that and in a stadium with all the amenities that they have, I think they're building it out in Milford, which is one of the, like Greg said, one of the suburbs on the West side. So be intriguing. I'm intrigued to see how that uh, benefits them. I'm sure they'll they'll get someone out of that. Okay. And just to stick with you, AJ, I kind of wanted to get everybody's like not necessarily opinion, but like what an estimated time frame of how long you think it would take them to make an MLS Cup and, and compete to win one. You know, do you think it would take more than ten years? Do you think they can get it done quicker than that? I think it's um, going to be more than ten years, Hannah. Truly and honestly, I believe it'll be more than ten years. It, they're not even. It doesn't seem like they're really any – I mean, you look down right up I-71 of Columbus to the crew, and it doesn't mm-hmm. really feel like they're really anywhere near the culture, the anything like that that, that, that the crew have, the, the prestige, the talent, nothing like that. So, I mean, you look at that, they, those teams seem miles apart right yeah. now. Yeah, that's, that's one thing I had too. I was I, – I said it's going to be hard for them to compete in the same state with the crew who's kind of – staking their claim as one of the you know top franchises within the MLS. But what do you think, Greg? Uh, I mean, I agree with AJ, it, 10 plus, unless something miraculous happens and they get yeah. some just badass star that that just just shines and just dominates, you know, that, that comes out of nowhere. Um, it's just going to be 10 plus years before they ever actually are competitive at that level. Yeah, I, I got to agree. You know, like I said before, they're pretty much starting from scratch. So it, it takes time to develop a culture, develop a fan base, kind of build your organization. So, yeah, I, I could see 10 plus years unless they get ridiculously lucky. Yeah, I mean, you got to think about what like the crew started. It took them almost like I think 14 years till they actually won their first you know MLS Cup. So I, I, I do think it's going to take at least that amount of time, especially, you know, like I said, when they're competing with a crew who are kind of staking their claim as a top destination, especially for free agents as well, too. So. Speaking of the crew, let's kind of move on to them. We'll save the talk for the stadium for like the last topic on them. But I did want to ask, so they have added a few pieces through free agency, but do you guys think that they needed to add another piece or need to add another piece? Or do you think they had enough from last year to kind of run it back and repeat? What do you think, Greg? I don't think that any championship team should just stick with the status quo when it comes to after winning a championship to go into the next championship. It's very rare to, that you could see a same, the exact same roster for any sport where they have the exact same roster and they go in and win it again. I think when they added Bradley Wright Phillips, that was a huge pickup for them. He was, he's the sixth highest goal scorer of all time in MLS. 
and then the winger Milanio. So they added some good hard pieces that I think that they will allow them to still be a contender for you know this up- upcoming season. So I don't really think they needed to add much. I, they won the cup. Downs. I what Zardes was out. They were their highest goal or their highest goal <laughs> scorer. I mean, basically, I think it was Zillarian basically took over that game. Yeah, they were just they went through the entire MLS Cup. It felt like missing one or two or three starters mm-hmm. every single game. I don't think we ever saw that team, especially in the COVID year, ever get to their highest potential. I think only another year now, and especially with a longer season, with the MLS not playing a shortened season, I feel like that's only going to help them. You saw glimpses of of the of their potential. I would say running back, see what you got with this team. They obviously reached what you're aspiring for. Um, you can always make moves during the season. But, yeah, I mean, if you if you put them all together, I think they're one of the top three teams in MLS. Um, yeah, for sure. And, and, that's all you can, and that's all you can ask for. You, you're going to have a shot at it no matter what. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I, I agree with the, both you and Greg there. I mean, I mean the, at, the addition of Molino and Phillips is not, like, huge, but they're very much plug-and-play guys. So it's not like they went out and crazy rehauled that that roster as well too, but being able to keep that core together and adding some, some veteran plug and play guys into that team, hopefully it'll help them stay a little bit healthier and reach that potential. But um, let's go to you, Dom. Yeah. I, again, I agree with you guys adding more depth to a team that's already a championship contender is always good. I don't know how the MLS is handling this season, but um, if it's like some of the other leagues over in Europe, it's going to be more of a condensed season. Um, So they'll be playing the same amount of games, but it's going to be over, a shorter period of time. So having that extra depth to give your normal starters some rest um, is, is going to be key to any playoff run and keeping your starters kind of fresh and um, well-rested. So, yeah, I, I think they're still going to be right there. And just adding that extra depth is going to be super important. And I don't see why they couldn't, you know, make it back to the cup. I don't know if they'll win it again because, well, only – three teams in the history of the MLS have repeated and won back-to-back championships, but I think they'll still definitely be in consideration for it. Dom, do you think that they have done enough since the inception of their team to kind of be considered a top-tier franchise in the MLS, or do you think they still need to do a little bit more? Yeah, I, I think they definitely are. You look over the last handful of seasons, they're consistently in the playoffs. They've won, what, two MLS Cups now? Mm-hmm. You know, they're they're never bad. You know, they, they have their down years, but even their down years, they're still pretty respectable. They have to be up there with, you know, Portland and Seattle as some of the top teams in the MLS. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I mean, with, with the two LMLS cups and then they have, um, they've had three seasons where they finished with the best record and that's only second behind United and galaxy over, you know I mean? Over their franchise history and stuff like that as well too. So I do think that they're right up there with, with the top teams like you were talking about, Dom. Uh, what do you think, Greg? I agree with everything. Um, I just think the city drug their feet with this new stadium, and it, it could have they could have probably attracted a little bit more people not playing in the stadium for as long as they did. I mean, how long was the, the crew stadium now? With the what was it, 90, 98 maybe? It was it yeah. was the first it was the first soccer specific stadium in the ML, in the MLS. Mm-hmm. And yep. then in, in the, I mean, if. <laughs> I've gone there a bunch of times and it's just the, the quality of the stadium alone is just kind of diminished and um, gone are the days that they, you know, people like Brian McBride have, you know, used to bring a little bit of a, a notoriety to Columbus. Um, I think that if they would have, like I said, the city wouldn't have dragged their feet on, on the stadium, it would have um, attracted a little bit more and they could have done a little bit more. I think the threatening of them leaving was a big, you know, I was, I don't know, honestly proud of them for kind of stepping up for themselves and going like, "Hey, we're going to leave if you're not going to take care of us." Yeah, I think they're kind of, they're kind of like, I don't know, they're definitely up there in one of the more prestigious franchises. I won't, I wouldn't put them in tier one. When I think of, when I think of the MLS, I, I think of Seattle and I think of Portland. I think of the Galaxy. I think of New York FC, the, the bigger frame. I mean, obviously the bigger markets, but then Seattle and. Portland soccer soccer is just taken off there, but I'd put them right there at the top of tier two, borderline of uh, bottom of tier one. I, I mean, they probably for me they'd have to probably put a few more years of really competitive football here. If they win one more for sure, then I'll put them right there. I mean, they're right there. They're definitely not for 
how like, I don't know, like Columbus just feels kind of like an odd city for for soccer when you think of all the major cities that have it. They just have Columbus when there's only one other pro team here, but it, it feels like it's done really well and teams have been generally successful. Yeah, I, I'd put them. They're right up there too. They're right up there for sure. Okay. Yeah, and to stick with you, AJ, I mean, for me, with the new stadium being built, I'm I'm super excited about it. Kind of like Greg said, you know, going to Matt for all these years, it's definitely started to look a little rough and uh, be a little bit run down. And, and for them to be able to get one, especially in the heart of – of the arena district there and stuff like that in the, in downtown is, is going to be, is going to be really nice. So just kind of want to get your opinion on, on how excited you are for the new stadium or do you, are you going to miss Matt free or anything? Um, So I've only been truthfully honest. I've only been to two games at the current stadium. I am really excited though, uh, to go to the new stadium downtown or any arena district to be a short walk over from nationwide where the blue jacks playing be really cool. There's a lot of bars in, there, in that area to really pregame to. It's, I mean, Matt Free's in the middle of – there's nothing near there. So, I mean, be able to have parking and pregaming areas and stuff like that nearby. The stadium, every single time I drive by it, is looking awesome. It's it's huge now. They got the roof. Not the. It doesn't have a full roof, but the overhang over the crowd is all put together. The, the, the stands are all put in – are all intact. You can really see the progress come together. I'm excited for it. It looks like it's going to be absolutely amazing. It'll be awesome. I mean, it, it looks – it's as competitive with any MLS stadium in terms of quality as you can ask for. Um, I'm really excited for it. I know I really want to get to, if not the, if not the home opener, at least one of those first few games to see what it's really like. But I think it'll be a, a vast improvement. It looks like the atmosphere in there could be absolutely amazing with the skyline right there too. Um, I think it'll be it'll, it'll do wonders for that franchise. Um, what do you think, Dom, about the new stadium? Are you excited, or are you gonna miss Matt Free? Um, so, being from Cleveland, I've you know never gone to Matt Free, but the new stadium looks amazing. Um, I've been saying for a couple of years now that I've been wanting to go to a crew game, and seeing the new stadium being built is just more reasoning for me to want to go. Uh, so I definitely I need to get to a game once the new stadium is built this season. Yeah, I'm super excited for it. Awesome. Yeah, what do you think, Greg? I mean, I the thing is, I I will I won't ever miss Matt Free Stadium because it'll be around for a while because it's one of the best places uh, to hold concerts at um, in Columbus. <laughs> yeah. um, that's that are mid level bands. So um, and, and I have a little affinity for for Matt Free. Um, I was there at the Mexico uh, USA uh, World Cup qualifier in like 2005, and that was the most energy I've ever seen or felt in any sporting event I've ever been to. So like, I'm gonna miss that, you know, memory type of aspect of being able to walk in and still have that feeling I had when I was there. But like I said, the stadium's not going anywhere. It's gonna be a host of, you know, for college and high school sports and, and um, but this new stadium is gonna be amazing. And uh, I can't wait for that. It's going to be a big step up for Columbus. So, yeah, I mean, all the pictures that they have kind of generated on the computer look really beautiful. So it'll be pretty awesome to move to our second pro team that we have here in um, Columbus. We're going to be talking about the Jackets, the only uh, NHL team that Ohio does have to kind of start this season off. It's been a little bit disappointing, but was that expected or is it kind of like a surprise to you? What do you think, Greg? Uh, I've honestly, I think that, a slow start is the Blue Jackets' mo. Yes, it's, uh, it's just what it's always been. You know, their run last year, uh, year four was was good, um, but they've just always had a slow start. So I, I don't really think you can put a lot of stock into how good teams do at the beginning of the seasons and in any sport really, except for maybe football. You know, these long seasons, lots of games, and a slow start. Like I said, we'll see what happens. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of figured this would happen, especially kind of with the exodus of talent that's happened over the past three years. I mean, they've lost a lot of, you know, of their better players. So I know that they were able to bring in um, Lane and, and Roslovic, but I, I just I, I kind of expected that um, they at to this point, this is where they would be. But what do you think, Dom? I mean, seeing how the team made the playoffs last year, I know they got a young team. Um, so I guess a slow start wasn't too shocking. Um, I'm looking at the standings now. They're eight, seven, and five. 
or uh, they're yeah they're eight and seven with uh, five OT appearances. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought they'd be a little bit better than that, but I I guess you know they got a young team they're still learning. I guess I guess I'm not too shocked by it, but I do think they will get better. Okay, what do you what do you got on this AJ? Um, I think it's it's kind of weird. Like I I think it's been a little bit disappointing. I don't feel like this team has played up to their potential. Um. I feel like their defense has been a little bit of a of a let. It's been actually, I'll say, quite the letdown. Um, one of the things they've always hung their hat on is is stellar defensive play. Now, Wierenski's out right now with an injury. He's uh, he should be back here coming up soon. Um, but goaltending's been kind of a kind of spotty. So yeah, I thought I, I feel like they they they've also struggled for goals at times too, which is something that they did last year as well. They, they they're a defensive team. So I feel like they've been a little bit disappointing, but in terms of where they're at in standings, I'm not really surprised if that kind of makes any sense. So I'm disappointed in their start and how they played, but I'm not, I'm not disappointed or I'm not really shocked at where they're at. So I think now that they got Lane there, they got the hometown kid in Roslovich, they'll get Rorensky back here. Um, I feel like they're only going to gel once they get those guys going. I know Lane's got six goals in like 10 games. Um, which is actually a pretty good pace. So and he gives them a scoring threat that they haven't had. Um, yeah. And they got that dude, all the Pierre Luc Dubois drama out of the way. Um, I think they're, they're, they'll be able to, they're going to make the playoffs. I don't think they're, really, they're going to be above like a six seed. They'll probably be a seven or eight seed. But yeah, that's, I, 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 I'm pleased at where they're at. I'm pleased at the, at the progress they're making. Kind of go off to your point about the defense. I mean, I've kind of listening to other people talk about it and, Tortorello and stuff talked about as well too is is like there's been lots of comments about the buy-in on that defensive side that that they're just not buying in like they used to so what do, what do you think about that AJ I don't know if I really believe that I mean Seth Jones Seth Jones has always been just an absolutely stellar player for them yep I don't know if he I don't know if he has a nagging nagging injury or something he hasn't played up to his up to his level Rowenski's mm-hmm. hurt I mean he's an absolute stud himself He's one of the better offensive or uh, offensive-minded def- or defensemen in, in all of hockey. Um, Bjorkstrand's been pretty solid though this year, um, I, and I really think I mean a great goalkeeper, a great goaltender fixes or really hides a lot of the mistakes of a defense. Yeah. Last year they had Corpusalo and and he was absolutely amazing, and then he gets hurt on a freak injury on a shootout and. In a shootout right in the regular season, and this Merzlikens kid comes out of absolute nowhere and is arguably even better. Mm-hmm. Um, this year they haven't been up to the out of the expectations were too high or whatever. They haven't been as good. I mean, it could be just it being a funky year with COVID that they didn't get as much of an off season as they usually do, stuff like that. So I feel like they that's kind of I don't know shown the warts a little bit more. Um, mm-hmm. or, I mean, you can even. I mean, at the same time, you can think of it as a positive that they're right now that there's a couple holes in this defense that need to be that need to be fixed and looked at, um, and they're able to see them. So, okay. I mean, I know that uh, that AJ talked about them that he thinks they're going to make the playoffs, but uh, do do you think they're going to make the playoffs, Greg, or do you think they're just going to miss it? I mean, like you said, like a seventh or eighth seed is definitely the 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 spot where I put them at. I think. I mean, somebody like Seth Jones, who you know is is a potential you know candidate for the 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 what is it the James Norris Trophy. They have some pieces, but I, I just don't think that they're they're going to get past the first round or second unless they they trade for some high level talent. Um, and like I said, Seth Jones is a, is a candidate for potential trade. He's young. Um, he's reasonably priced that they could get. Um, but like AJ said, he possibly has a nagging injury, so maybe this is time to get rid of them so that you don't have that down the road. Um, I don't know. If they're going to be competing for a playoff spot, they got to fix that defense, which, I mean, I don't know if they got some guys injured or they got to bring somebody in via trade. But, I mean, they, they've given up the third most goals in the NHL this year. I, I just don't see them competing for a playoff spot as a team is constructed right now. You know, mm-hmm. if they're going to contend, I think they got to make some changes. Yeah, I mean, I – I kind of agree with with AJ and, and also kind of Greg at the same time. I, I think that they'll that they'll make the playoffs, but they'll kind of be one of the lower seeds. And then 
I mean, you know, as a Blue Jackets fan, I could hope that they have some sort of miraculous run like they did a couple years ago. But I mean, I, I do think that they need to kind of try to add some more pieces, but it has been hard to add pieces and keep pieces, which kind of brings us into our next point is why is it that Columbus cannot convince any big name NHL players to stay? Um, we've seen, you know, some of their big stars over the years want to leave. They don't want to play there anymore. I don't know if it's Columbus as itself, or maybe it's the Blue Jackets organization, whatever it may be. But what, what do you think, Greg? I mean, yeah, the biggest, the last big, real big name that we've ever had was Steve Nash. And for article that I read today, just he talked about one of the reasons he asked for a trade is just the culture. Um, and, and that could be a big possibility that just sometimes players, it, that stigmatism gets around the league where Columbus isn't a good place to play um, because of this, that, or the other, you know, it's, I don't think it's the fan base because our fan base is pretty spectacular if you've ever gone to a game there. Um, mm-hmm. So it, it, I don't think we can get big names because um, you know, a, a lot of different reasons, culture, coaching, you know, mid-level market, uh, there's a lot of different reasons that you're, you're not going to get as much TV exposure, you know, interview time, uh, you know, stuff like that. It's not New York. It's not Florida. It's not LA. It's, you know, it's not one of those, those markets that somebody's going to, Oh, I can't wait to play for the blue jackets. Yeah. I mean, I, I could definitely see that. And, and I kind of, I kind of hear a lot of things is, is like torts is, is very much a, um, I don't want to call him a Bill Belichick, but he's very, he's very much more strict. He's very much more demanding of his players to, to play hard, play both sides of the puck. He just doesn't want offensive players or defensive players. He wants guys that are going to do both so that that might throw some people off, but I don't know. What do you think, Dom? I I think Columbus, like any other city in Ohio, they're going to have a hard time attracting and retaining free agents just because they're not a big market like New York or LA. So I think any sports team that's kind of within the Midwest is going to have those problems. But um, you guys talked about the culture. I think that's definitely an issue. You know, that's one of the ways that a small market team can kind of get over the the problem of being a small market team is having a great culture that people want to play for. So I think you combine the small market team plus having culture that, you know, could be questionable at times. You know, nobody's going to want to play or stick around for that long. I can see part of it being it's kind of a combination of two things. It's that this franchise doesn't really have the history and lure or lore of uh, of some of the other franchises. I mean, honestly, these guys are – a lot of these international guys growing up overseas, I'm not really sure how familiar they are with the Blue Jackets. Mm-hmm. Um, they only have one playoff or a couple – like two playoffs or a couple of playoff victories basically, like in terms of a series in their entire – History, they've never advanced past the second round. While there's a lot of these guys that are international stars, are these stars, and they're from overseas in Europe and everything, and Russia and all that stuff. And they got Boston and New York. And I mean, I mean, even some of these other smaller franchise, or like in Chicago, but even like Pittsburgh. I mean, Pittsburgh is just steeped in history in terms of a franchise. And Nashville's had a good run here too for a little bit. St. Louis has had a good run. I mean, even though they're smaller markets, they have a history to back it up. Columbus is a newer franchise. It's got a great, it's got a great arena. It's an app, like Greg said, an absolute amazing atmosphere for games there, especially for big games. Um, and I also wonder, I mean, Tortorella's coaching style is not for everybody. He's he's pretty critical and pretty harsh on his players. Mm-hmm. Um, he's one of those guys that demands the best out of you. And it was the reason Pierre-Luc Dubois wanted out. He, he was done with Tortorella. I know Lonnie's already had uh, – one brush in with with uh, Torts, where Torts benched him at, right after the first period. So yeah, I can see that totally being. I mean, you're looking at, oh, I can go live in New York or in all these other cities. I can go play for this franchise that's had all this history that knows how to win, and I don't have to potentially get just criticized and and all that for my every move. Um, or I can go stay here in Columbus, which. I, I like, and I, but I'm going to have to play for torts all the time and just constantly be under that stress. Mm-hmm. And I may not make it past the first or second round. It's kind of a, until they get, until they can get some success and really get and really convince uh, some people, it's going to, it's going to be tough to probably hang on to some guys. I mean, I guess for me, it's not like they haven't been 
successful to an extent. Mm-hmm. I mean, the what what Torch has been able to do since he's been there. I mean, it. I mean, I get that he's more critical and stuff too. So mm-hmm. I guess I guess my next question would be, is it maybe is it time for the Blue Jackets to move on from Torts, or do you think they kind of stay the ship with him and let him keep just getting the most out of some of these players that we don't necessarily know of at the beginning of the season, but by the end of the season, we know their names, you know what I mean? Or like I said before, is it time to move on? I'd, I'd stick with them obviously throughout the year, see where you're at. And then I'd probably reassess. Um, I personally, I personally like Torts. I think he's a, I think he's a very good coach. Um, he's shown that he can take a team into the, in the, all the way to the finals. I know he took the Canucks uh, about what was it, a decade plus ago. Mm-hmm. I, I really think he's, I think he's a good coach. I think he's a great developer of the, of the mental aspect of, of a, of a younger player. Um, he really toughens kids or toughens guys up. He, he's bought in a defense and a physical style play. But like I said, I don't think he's for everybody. If you're soft, uh, he's not for you. He's not going to cater. I really think to, he's not going to put one guy in front of the entire team. Mm-hmm. Some guys that are, ch- are chasing for a salary or a big contract, or think they're really a star, and not going to be, are not going to really like them. So, I'd see how this season plays out. I mean, I, I feel like they've had more talent than they, than maybe just their best, than only winning one or two series in their entire. I mean, under his uh, tenure. Uh, mm-hmm. So I'd let it play out, see how it goes, um, get some feedback from the players, and then I, I'd make a decision in the off season. Okay. What do you uh, think, Greg? Kind of going back to the comment you made about he's the, he's a Belichick style type of coach, but Belichick has the backing. He's had enough championships to have that type of attitude. And, and like AJ said, Tortorello's what took the Canucks, to the finals. He doesn't really have necessarily enough of a background of winning to be able to be that kind of coach. Like you said, like, like that, that no nonsense kind of Belichick type coach. And so Mm -hmm. um, I completely agree with AJ that, you know, after this season, it's a possibility to to, to kind of look elsewhere and to see if that is possibly what the culture problem is, because it's hard to play for guys like that, unless you got tough skin and, and again, going back to the Belichick and Brady, and there's a lot of guys that can't, play for coaches like that because they don't have thick enough skin unless you're going to get a whole team with thick ass skin you know it's going to be a hard to to play under a guy like that so yeah which is kind of hard to find what do you think dom you think uh it's gonna be towards last year or do you think they're going to kind of stay with him and hope that they can just find enough guys who have thick enough skin to deal with them i mean is there enough guys like that in the nhl that you can make a whole team out of you know, just a bunch of dudes with thick ass skin that are going to be able to put up with, you know, his kind of attitude. So, I mean, if, if he really is the reason why they can't keep all their top talent, maybe at the end of the season, you do consider moving on. But if there's not a better option out there, I wouldn't just get rid of them just to get rid of them. Mm-hmm. If you're going to replace them with another coach, that's not as good. So I think depending on how the team finishes the season, maybe they'll, kind of reassess where they're at, you know, in the off season. All right. Well, just to kind of finish out this conversation, we're going to go back up North to Cleveland and we're going to start talking about the Cavs. So obviously (laughs) since the departure of LeBron, again, they have kind of dipped back down. They've kind of bought into that uh, trust the process method, such as the 76ers, I would probably say, but do you think kinds of, as of late with Sexton and the rest of that team that they've kind of put around them, do you think they're close to competing for a playoff series win or, or do you think they're still pretty far out? What do you think, Greg? I think they're far out. I mean, I think they're at least three or four seasons away from it. I mean, you've got Sexton, you've got Garland, um, you know, I, Garland, if he stays the course and stays the way he's been playing, you know, he could honestly be the next Dame Lillard. And I think that way the team's playing that they're definitely going to be end up in the lottery for the next few years. And that would play to their potential of snagging some really great first round picks um, to be able to kind of rebuild that, that core, you know, around Sexton around Garland to, you know, have a future and a run. So, but I think it's going to be at least three, four, maybe five years. I don't, I don't think it's going to be four or five years. I mean, I, I think that they're, 
I think it'll be four or five years if they can't find like a like a true number one leader in in that sense. Like they they need a guy who's going to go lead because Sexton and Garland are more of just pure scorers, um, and I don't think that they have a person on that team that can kind of be the leader, steady the ship, push them forward, and be that voice in the locker room yet so if they can't find that then yeah i mean it might take them four or five years to get to a playoff spot but what do you think aj i think they're a couple years out maybe three to four i'm not really sold on on sexton or or garland i do i i like garland i like sexton sexton's defense concerns me i know he can score his defense concerns me he he, he can't pass garland you can see flashes he's got incredible ball handling he can score. He's starting to get much better with his assist total. I know I think he's averaging like 17 and 8 or something like that over maybe like the last month of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, th- this team, though, desperately – they desperately need a guy uh, – an all-around point guard, and they desperately need a, a wing. Honestly, th- this draft or maybe even the next draft, I mean, if they're, if they're the number one or number two pick, uh, you're staring at guys like Jalen Suggs and Kid Cunningham who are just the elite – point guard prospects and i i, th- I think they're both absolute studs mm-hmm. I, I would i would draft best they're still they still have to be in the draft best player available mode to me and see what you got and then you can always make adjustments down the road yeah but i yeah. do like the i do like the 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 plane that uh garland's going or heading um i don't know if he's gonna be damian lillard i definitely think he can be <laughs> A solid. Hey, I love, so I love, little, I like, love me some Dame, Dame Dollar too, but I think he, I think uh, Garland can be, uh, Garland can be a heck of a player. Sexton's already shown that he can go toe to toe with some people. I'm just concerned about his viability going forward for your franchise, and being on a on a championship contending roster when you have a six foot one shooting guard that <laughs> struggles defensively and is not a playmaker for the rest of your roster. And then while y'all are, while you already have holes at your at your wing and your small and your power forward position, so okay. just kind of where I am with it. What do you think, Dom? If you would have asked me this question a month ago, uh, my answer would be a little bit different. <laughs> um, but seeing how the team has looked as of the last couple of weeks, they're a little bit farther away than I thought before. Um, I'd still say, I'd, what was that? Eleven and twenty-one. Yeah. Um, but I mean, a couple of weeks ago, they were sitting at the number six spot. Now, I didn't think that they would win a playoff series this year. I s- still think they're a couple of years away from that. But I, I agree with AJ. You got to go best position available. But I don't know. I'm just not really sold with anybody on this team right now. Uh, we thought that Kevin Love was going to be be able to kind of lead the young team that we put around him. Where is Kevin Love? Is anyone, can we put a bolo out for him? I, have not I don't know. We, we need <laughs> like, uh, he's to coming back for like the last month and a half. Yeah. He's, yeah, we, he's, we need to he's file hurt like a, in quotation marks. He's, he's MIA right now. I we, think we need to put out a missing persons report for I him. Think, I, I, I don't know where he's at. Yeah, I mean, I think, honestly, they're doing with him what they're doing with Drummond right now, and they're just sitting him, and they're trying to find somebody who wants to trade for them. But the problem is, is, like, Kevin Love is is due $34 million this year, and then Drummond's, like, 22 $23 million. Well, And then uh, also Kevin Love has a bum ankle right now, which for a big man is never great. No, so it's like they're not I, – I think, unfortunately, they're probably going to just have to – just let just let Drummond play out the rest of the season and be like, yo, man, you're not going anywhere. Sorry, tough luck. And when Kevin Love comes back, let him play. I mean, I, I don't know. Or 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 sit sixty million dollars on the bench. I, I mean, whatever you want to do. But yeah, that's that, that's a big one. Cause I'm with Dom too. At the beginning of the season, I looked at that and I saw Drummond and I saw Love and I said, Okay, well, I mean, obviously there's some veteran presence there that could help these young guys. And I think they're good enough to maybe put themselves in that like eighth through 10th spot, um, compete for that eighth seed, and then maybe win a game or two in a series, depending on who they're playing against. But I mean, with those guys not even being in the rotation anymore and then potentially being on their way out. No, I I, I do think they're going to be in that like top five range of draft. They looked like a, a potential lower end of the playoff team all of a month ago. And then Colin Sexton mm-hmm. writes a article telling you to take Cleveland basketball uh, more serious. And then he, uh, and they promptly lose 10 or 11 games in a row. So yeah, I think they've won <laughs> one game since you wrote that article. So yeah, they, they I, won I, last night, but that was it. I, 
I don't really have a problem playing Kevin Love because they really don't have a uh, they don't really have a power forward as a as as the future there. Um, Drummond to me, he's the he might be the guy I'm in the, the biggest guy in the NBA that I see that stuffs a stat sheet but does not but doesn't affect the game in like any way to me. I, I just feel like he's he's a he's a good re- rebound. He's such a blast the past type of guy Jared Allen when he comes in you feel like there's there's an impact you see him I mean he's I mean he can he can pop a little bit he can pick and pop a little bit he's a I mean he's an excellent rim protector I mean just Drummond just feels like there's a lot of wasted possessions the ball gets in his in his hands and he's doing all these crossovers and between the legs and I don't know. I'm just not a. I'm just not the world's biggest fan of Andre Drummond. I, I would. I'd prefer to give those minutes to Jared Allen. He looks like he's future at center. That so you can at least with him. I feel like you can keep. You can keep playing him. I, I feel pretty content there. Yeah, I mean, I, I I definitely agree with that as well too. So just to kind of move on to one of our last questions here. So I know we kind of hit on Sexton, and and most of us are a little bit unsure about what he could be towards the future. But do you guys think he could develop into a number one that the team needs, or do you think that they're going to need their, or do you think they're going to have to find that in somebody else? What do you think, Dom? He's he's what nineteen twenty years old, yeah. um, so I I don't think it's too early in his career to really kind of write him off in any way, just because we've seen how well he can score and kind of keep up with anybody. You know, the like AJ mentioned earlier, the biggest thing holding him back is his defense. If he could learn how to play just a little bit of defense, I'm not saying he needs to be, you know, uh, all NBA shutdown defender, but if he could, you know, just be average when it comes to defense, I think the sky could be the limit for him because I mean, his scoring ability is, it's remarkable what he's able to do, you know, so could he be a number one on a team? I right now, obviously not, but I, I don't see why he couldn't, if he can learn how to play some defense. I mean, for me, like his trajectory is more towards that, like he'll be like a one A on it or a one B on a team, not a one A. So he almost he's almost fitting into that category of like a Kyrie, of a James Harden, of a Devin Booker at this point. Like, yeah, he can score and keep up with the rest of the you know top scorers in the league, especially if he keeps developing and stuff like that. But they're going to need to find a guy who can be his one A who can be, you know, an equal level talent scorer, but also be a really good defender. Like you guys are saying, he needs to develop into, but also, like I said before, needs to be an Uber team leader. I mean, you look, you know, Kyrie's got Kevin Durant now, James Harden has Kevin Durant now, and then Devin Booker has CP3. So, I mean, those guys who are just outright dudes when it comes to scoring the basketball, they have that leader next to them as well too. But what do you think, Craig? I mean, I think Sexton believes he can be the the number one um which is i think really important i mean you want a guy that wants to be the guy whereas you know you have some teams that necessarily nobody wants to step up and be that guy so i, I like i said i i think he wants to be that number one he stated many times that you know that he's putting the calves back on the map so i think again with time with you know like say he's 19 see what happens, you know, a 23 year old Sexton, you know, see where he goes, see if he can keep pushing and keep developing and keep, you know, becoming that, that guy that I think he does want to be. Um, it's just a matter of, can he achieve that? So. I don't know if he could be your one a, I mean, if he's going to be your one a, you're going to have some, you're going to have to have some really good playing or uh, number two, number three options. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really know how much you can really give him to learn offense. I mean, there's only so much you can do if you're if you're a natural two, and you're probably guarding twos. If you're if you're six one, and 190 pounds, I mean you're just straight up at a at a size disadvantage at that point. Mm-hmm. I mean there's nothing especially in the NBA. Uh, your prototypical two is a six foot five dude that's 200 pounds um, that can ball handle and shoot, and it just puts you in such a tough position. So I think it's just he's at a he's at a disadvantage uh, physically there. I, yeah, I mean, he could be, like I said, a, a number two option on a, on a really good team. He could be mm-hmm. that offensively. I don't think he'd be your second best or your best player, though. Um, you're going to need someone else 
Um, it's a better all-around player, and you're gonna need a you're gonna need a probably a good center uh, to back him up behind him too, at least where he can he can use his quickness and and be a more uptight on on guys on the wing. Just to kind of finish this out real quick, I just kind of want to get your guys's you know quick like thirty second response to this. Do you think the league is going to look more like a scorers league and less like a two way league going forward? as guys like, you know, LeBron and, and, and Durant's kind of exit in the next like four or five years? Um, or do you think we're going to see more, more two-way guys kind of step up and play that game, be the leader, be the defensive player? What do you think, Greg? Uh, no, I mean, you and I have had this conversation, you know, just between the two of us that the days of two-way players, you know, it used to be that you had guys that were, were able to go both, both ways. And even the defensive guys, there's, they, there's just, little farther and farther you know less guys out there that that are are strictly you know groomed to be defensive players um in mm-hmm. with with the social media the way it is and tv and and the phones and everything everybody wants to be the star everybody wants the top play on on sports center and so um it just leans that way that when you go to a basketball game you don't want to see you know, how many blocks can so-and-so get and this, that, and the other, you know, you want to see threes, you want to see dunks, you want to see all this. And and that's the culture, unfortunately, that the NBA has turned into is, is, a, you know, I don't sound like, you know, whatever, but a glitz and glam type of league um, that you don't have big men out there that, that are guarding the post and, and, and out there doing the job that they're supposed to be doing and hired to do. They're not out there to score the baskets. They're out there to make sure that the other team doesn't. So, and that's, that's gone away. Yeah. What do you think, Don? Yeah, I'd have to agree with Greg. I mean, you look at the way the league has gone over the last couple of years, especially, you know, the Warriors with the team that they had. I think they've really changed the way that the NBA plays because teams kind of adapted their style to match what the Warriors were doing to kind of keep up with them scoring-wise because nobody was able to keep up with them. Um, so now, I mean, you see it's – it's either threes or dunks. There's no, there's no defense really being played. You're seeing a lot of open threes. You're seeing, you know, a lot of just drives to the basket and, you know, it's just dunks. Everyone's just trying to get a highlight. So I, I think, I think that trend is going to continue. I mean, you look at how teams are being constructed now. I mean, look at the nets, you know, and some of the other teams that are kind of top teams right now, they're all just three, three point shooting teams. You know, that's the way the league's going. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I, unfortunately, I mean, if you probably look at like the league average of points scored per game, it has gone up drastically over the past five years compared to what it was. And you look at a team like the Nets who are probably, I don't know what they're actually averaging, but off the top of my head, I know that they're probably at least at 110, 150 points, 115 points per game. So I, I, I unfortunately, we're going towards more of an offensive league, but hopefully – some guys come up and they appreciate what it takes to be a leader and play lockdown defense. But to close it out, what do you think, AJ? Um, yeah, I fully think it's going to be it's going towards a, a scoring league. I mean, just look at your stars of today. You think of AD, you think of Kawhi Leonard, you think of Paul George, you think of LeBron, you think of guys like that. Um, I mean, you think of Damian, Damian Lillard, you think of – I'm trying to even think of some – other guy. I mean, pre- Kawhi. I mean, Kawhi. Like I said, Kawhi. KD's a pretty good, is actually a pretty good defender. A lot of these guys are really good two way defenders. And then you're thinking of the stars of probably tomorrow and maybe the guys that are going to be around in eight, nine years. You think of Trey Young. You think of John Morant. You think of Luka Doncic. You think of Jason Tatum. Uh, you think of Colin Sexton. Guys like that. I mean, you, you look at guys like that. Um, and they're all they're elite offensive threats, but they're nowhere near the defenders that even these stars are nowadays. Now, that's not to say that we're going to have guys like Joel Embiid who will be around that are that are elite defenders. But I definitely think it's it's the way the way the NBA is now, the way the college game, and the high school game is gone. It's it's offensive centric. And I think that's that's only where we're headed more. I mean, it's not sexy to really play defense. Like it used to be a couple, like 20, 10, 20, 30 years ago. It's the sexy thing is pulling up for threes from the volleyball court line on your high school court or <laughs> this alley oop that you're getting on TikTok or Twitter or Snapchat. So I think that's what draws views. Um, the NBA knows that. Uh, that's what 
gets viewers in, turns on TVs, and I think that's the only way we're headed. Cool. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at the the points per game uh, per team right now. The New York Knicks have the worst offense in the NBA, and they're still averaging 103 points a game. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, the, the Nets are number one at 121 points a game average. Well, I think uh, everybody who's watching basketball now and then in the future, just remember, you heard it from AJ. It's not the sexy thing to play defense, guys. Start learning how to shoot threes. But I definitely – Really enjoyed having both of you guys on today. Again, for everybody listening, go ahead and congratulate David on his big purchase of a house. That's awesome. He'll be back with us next week. And make sure to give AJ and Greg a ton of love in the comments because this episode was a lot longer than what we thought it was, but it was a lot of good conversation. And I really think going forward that we can kind of hope to have them on here and there to have some more really good conversations going forward as well too. So thank you guys. Thank you everyone who listened. And uh, as always, we are deep dive sports. Hey everyone. Thank you for listening. If you would like to hear more, feel free to listen to past episodes and look for new ones every Friday. And don't forget to follow us at deep.dive.sports on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook for any update. And please let us know what you would like us to take a deep dive into next. As always, we are Deep Dive Sports. Until next time.